host of the Pete Callender Show, which you can get on all of the streaming platforms, including iHeart, uh, or what is it, PeteCallenderShow.com, right? Yes, correct, sir. Wel- uh, welcome. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. I'm so used to welcoming yeah. the guests to my show. <laughs> oh, I, you know what? If you want to welcome, that's fine. I'm I appreciate cool with that, it. man. Well, thanks. Unfortunately, unfortunately, I was just saying, you're down uh, 28 points to Joe Biden in the latest polling, so... It's to be expected. It's not voting well for you. No, it's to be expected. What do you, what do you I... think of all of this? Well... I made uh, I I actually swore off making any kind of predictions on electoral outcomes. I had earlier in my career I swore off trying to guess jury verdicts, and so after 2016 I was like I'm done trying to predict outcomes of elections. I'm just not good at it, and uh, I believe the polling in 2016, and it told us right that Hillary was going to win. I was predicting landslide for Hillary Clinton, and of course that did not happen, and so. Uh, I was chastened. I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to do this anymore. And so when I look at the polls, uh, I used to pour over the cross tabs, look into, you know, are they likely voters? Are they just registered voters? Are they adults and all this? And I just, I don't think anybody really has a clear idea of what's going on uh, just in general, but also when you layer in the pandemic, like how, how do you get a good read on that? And also like I was at, uh, you know, Tom Tillis and uh, Ted Cruz, they did a campaign event here in Asheville uh, earlier this week. And I was out there and I was talking to some of the folks that were there. And I had a friend of mine who was there and he said he lies to pollsters. He had just lied to a pollster that called him. Yes. So I don't know yeah. what to make of the polling. You got the shy voters and then you got the lying voters. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to believe. Here's here's one thing that stands out to me. And I guess I'm curious your take on it. So when you look at the Senate race and you look at the presidential race, we're basically in normal margins of error, mm-hmm. right? You look at the governor's race and it's not close. And they just they've just put a poll out the other day. It was I think it was Survey USA that says that uh, Dan Forrest is um, he's down double digits to to Roy Cooper. Considering Dan Forrest during the 2016 election actually got the most votes of any candidate in the state, right? Whether I don't know if people know that. Um, do you believe that Dan is deficiently down in comparison to the two other races in his race, or what? What do you think's going on with that? I go back and forth. It's like, you know, again, how do you trust those numbers? But also, Cooper's not doing any campaigning. I mean, it really is remarkable because of the pandemic. And I mean, we've got now what Roy Cooper. He hasn't left what the emergency operations center or the governor's mansion. Uh, he does no he does no in person campaigning. Cal Cunningham. He aside from like these, you know, bring a podium to a parking lot and speak in front of a van and then you know take some pictures, put them on social media, pack it up and run away. Like aside from that, I don't know what he's doing. And uh, and then you got Joe Biden. Uh, you know, who's having like as many people at his events as like a coffee clutch. It's like there's there's no campaigning. It's all media purchasing and social media purchasing. And is that going to work? I don't know. Cooper's got a lot of halo effect because of the covid. I talked to people, too, that they they think he's done a fantastic job keeping us all safe yeah. from covid. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Do the attacks he's running attack ads constantly. He started off the debate. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. He started right, right out of the gate attacking Dan Forrest, which is kind of not what you would expect for somebody who's up double digits. No, I would agree, but it's but that has been the constant messaging. You know, sometimes the messaging moves in these races. Yeah, it hasn't moved with Roy Cooper. It's Dan Forrest wants your family dead, right? 
and uh, and uh, you know sometimes they add in for business reasons or for this reason or whatever but at the end of the day that has been the messaging the entirety of the time and it hasn't changed and when assertions like that are not even balanced by the reporting that you see right where uh, where the media is constantly running these uh, where they're uh, oh the numbers are back up but the more they you know they don't talk about mortality rate uh, Wake County lets uh, the little kids back in school, and they've been breathlessly reporting that there's a handful of cases, spot here, spot there, when they don't talk about the level of testing that they're doing and whether the kids are even showing symptoms. The, we just don't have a lot of information that I thought by now we would start to get. It would eke out and would become part of responsible reporting, and it simply <laughs> hasn't. Oh, that's, I know. Oh, my goodness. I'm a dreamer. Oh, that's... I'm a dreamer. <laughs> Well, so I will give credit where it's due. WRAL actually took a look at the cycle threshold aspect of yes. the testing. So kudos to them for actually, uh, you know, digging deeper and expressing some level of skepticism uh, about the numbers. Because if all you're doing is counting cases as is simply, you know, positive or negative. Oh, we found, you know, the uh, the PCR came back positive, and so that's a that, that's a case. Well, when people think cases, they think as John Sanders, uh, he's been doing great work over the John Locke foundation on this uh when people think cases they think infection they think contagious they think oh my gosh you're sick but that's not what the pcr tests are popping right they're they're finding these trace remnants of the of dead rna and it's like well is that really a case i mean it shows up in your system but is that actually a case and so when they keep pushing the case count numbers and it's driving this fear i wonder if now that we shift over to antigen testing are we going to see case numbers start to decline and then who takes credit for that well the people who have been pushing the testing and look the one thing that that all of this covid pandemic has proven is that there are a lot of people in media that have no business covering this story because they don't understand and i'm not an expert but the, the people who are covering this stuff they don't understand a lot of the uh the science behind it and they're just not suited to do it and a lot of newsrooms got rid of health departments or uh, health reporters rather right. uh, yeah. and so th there's nobody with expertise to to question these officials no and and you're right that are we talked about that ral piece uh, uh that was it was shocking to me to uh, read it, and uh, that was a it, that was a point that in an interview the week before, Dan Forrest had touched upon. Mm -hmm. And the problem is the complexity of that. Right. Trying to explain that concept in in a couple minutes on the on the radio is not easy to do. And even after reading that piece, I'm not a physician, but I fundamentally understood that the the messaging there was. You basically had a test that was popping positive in too many instances compared to what the actual threat was. Mm -hmm. And and you're right. No, nobody took the, the opportunity to explain that. Are you following this Carborough story? Oh, about the so, Black Lives uh, Matter flag? Flags? Yeah. What do you what do you think of this? Is this does this? I would argue that other than maybe some uh, some voting sites in, in your your neck of the woods. Carborough has to be the largest, uh, one of the largest percentage-wise for, for Roy Cooper, or for Democrats in, in, in general. So it's already intimidating, I think, that if you're a Republican voter, that's where you vote, because that's what this law is supposed to stop. And even though the Board of Elections sent a letter, do you think that they pushed the issue beyond that now that Carborough said, screw you, we're going to do what we want? 
No, yeah, I don't know. Uh, it, it seems like there would be some pressure to not do that, given the political party that the you know elections folks uh, and the run, the ones who run the election boards, uh, you know, that they come from. Uh, I, I, so I don't know if that would anger a lot of their constituents on that side. And told you know, I, I was kind of surprised that a letter actually even went out. But it's obviously improper, obviously inappropriate. Um, but it doesn't it doesn't matter because inappropriate is only something that the other guys, I guess, uh, do. So, yeah, the, obviously the uh, the flags are imbued with uh, political overtones. They don't belong in a polling place. And if that's the case, then then open it up and let everybody hang their flags. Yeah, no, I'm, I, I hear you there. Um, I, there's some other numbers I want to talk to you about. One. What do you think of this seven out of eight days where Republicans, uh, both early voting and absentee balloting, uh, were leading the actual uh, numbers from statewide voting? And what do you think of the fact that there is currently 287,000 outstanding requested absentee ballots? Right. What does that tell you? So I was talking yesterday with Dr. Andy Jackson. Uh, In fact, it's on today's show if you want to pick that up at iHeartRadio.com. But the uh, Andy Jackson with the Civitas Institute, he was saying two things. Um, number one is we have to see, are they cannibalizing, they are both parties cannibalizing their early votes, and then are they cannibalizing their election day voting? Uh, he said he was not really surprised that uh, Republicans finally outvoted Democrats in an early on an early voting day. He was surprised that it's now, what, eight out of nine days? That's really surprising. But I think it's also due to the pandemic. I, I'm like, I voted earlier than I normally do. Only for the fact that I was, you know, afraid that if I get sick, I might not be able to go to the polls. So I might as well go vote early while I know I'm well, right? So, mm-hmm. so there's that. Yeah. He also said to be on the lookout for now that we've got the, you know, the extra six days tacked on to the uh, election. So now, or yeah, so now it's going to be what uh, November or nine days. So now it's going to be uh, November twelfth. They're going to count the ballots through. Um, you're going to want to watch for any kind of a surge that occurs. Uh, in the numbers that get dumped on a particular day or two. So if we're like seven days out from the election and all of a sudden a whole bunch of absentee ballots, uh, you know, hit the uh, hit the website, then you're going to that that should raise suspicion about something that might have been, you know, untoward. Yeah, but so what do you what do the Republicans do about it? I mean, well, we're going to be in litigation. Sue, yeah, they're going to be in litigation, sure, right. but they've lost. They lost on the extended ballot thing. True, but because Amy Coney Barrett wasn't there and because they simply refused to take it up, uh, there is a possibility that if there is a lawsuit that comes afterwards, it may it may have some life that can be brought forward. Um, it, it, it's yeah. going to depend on the case and what the actual arguments are. Uh, so I, I, I'm of the opinion that all of the lawsuits, and look, there are like 400 plus lawsuits that were filed across America. I'm sure it's completely coincidental that virtually all of them are in swing states and they're like all brought by sure. Democrats. I'm sure it's just coincidence, but I'm of the opinion that those uh, those cases were to set in motion to basically to till the field for the litigation that's going to come afterwards. I suspect that there's going to be just mountains of lawsuits that get filed in the next uh, two weeks, and uh, it's gonna it's gonna be Florida, but you know, multiplied across multiple states. It's going to be agonizing. Uh, let me do one thing because I've had two people email me uh, wanting you to explain cannibalizing. What you mean by cannibalizing absentee ballots? You mean people? requesting them but then actually going in and voting 
No, they eat, they actually eat the voters. They eat the people. Oh, wow. No, okay, I, that's not good. I'm just, no, they, so in other words, those were votes you were already going to get. People who were going right. to show up uh, either in early voting, but now they voted absentee, or they were going to show up on election day, and now they, they voted absentee or they early voted. So in other words, you just move them forward in the line, but they still would have voted. The question is, are you able then to mobilize and get more voters that would not have voted because now you're freed up because you've banked all those votes. Now you need to go out and get the people that were not going to vote. Those are going to be new voters. And the, the chairman of the Republican Party, he was at that event in Asheville and he said, uh, like, you know, the candidates that won, I think he said, like, uh, you know, uh, uh, Dan Forrest got like 2.3 million votes and Trump got 2.3 million votes last time. If they get those same number of votes this time, they're going to lose. So they got to find yeah. more votes now. Uh, and so that's the idea is if if you're simply cannibalizing votes that already would have been counted for you, then you're not you're not making any gains. You have to you've got to get those votes early, but then you also have to get more voters to the polls. And and just because I think that you and I bring a it's kind of a unique perspective. I have constantly pushed Glenn Greenwald uh, and the intercept on people. because mm-hmm. I think that's the long form reporting he does is very good. The idea that Glenn Greenwald just resigned from yeah. The Intercept, which he found or co-founded, yeah. based on the fact that the editors that, that he brought in um, essentially censored an article critical of Joe Biden. And he said, you know what? Screw you. I don't care that I, I started this place. I'm out of here. Um, I think really is really, really telling on the the vast divide of scruples within uh, within reporting. And um, and shows you how hard they're pushing this. You'll speak no ill will of Joe Biden ideology uh, within even non mainstream. I wouldn't say the Intercept is mainstream, but they're definitely an important publication. Mm-hmm. What do you think of this? Yeah, I, I was surprised uh, by Greenwald's uh, uh, resignation as well. I've always been kind of wary of the Intercept uh, for years. I've I kind of believe them to be a Russian cutout. They would advance stories uh, that were... Because of the Snowden stuff. Yeah, and so I was just yeah. always skeptical of them. Uh, I've, I've noticed uh, Greenwald's been writing stuff now more recently that seems a little bit more, I don't know, independent, but I, I, I'm not sure. So I've always had some skepticism about the outlet. Um, but to your point, like what, NBC News, their big you know scoop today is some you know, conspiracy story about Joe Biden that they debunk about China. And like, I've never heard this conspiracy story, but the obvious point here is to paper over the actual corruption scandal that's occurring. So people don't realize that uh, that one is legit and needs to be investigated, but they run this ridiculous one and they're like, oh, we debunked it. And look, I follow the news. You do too. I'd never heard of that that's that uh, never that theory never yeah. never ever ask my I, you know ross and, and i and you we get people send me planet x stuff okay <laughs> right here here comes naburu to wipe us out they get mad when i don't run it right i had never been forwarded that story from a month ago my producer ross hasn't you haven't nope and nbc knows that they they absolutely know that it led to confusion all you need to do is read under on twitter uh, the the way that people reacted to that and and you'll know mission accomplished on their part it's um, yeah it's one of the things in the Trump era it really has been clarifying is how many of our institutions that we've all relied on for so long are absolute steaming piles of garbage and no uh, 
Yeah, and, and it, it really it undermines society. We have to have some level of faith in our institutions, and when so many of them are obviously corrupted, then what does that spell for society? If you want to hear more, uh, uh, break down the numbers. You had you promoted it on your podcast today. You got a great guest, uh, and uh, you can get that at PeteCalendarShow.com or via iHeartRadio. Just search Pete Calendar with a K. Appreciate it, sir. Thank you. I appreciate it. Have a great weekend, man. All right, you too.